Hi, I'm Chloe. And I'm Bez. And this podcast is for graduate teachers in their first five years. We share our own teaching stories as well as advice and ideas we wish we'd had as graduate teachers. Sometimes funny, sometimes horrifying, but always true. We want you to thrive and love teaching beyond the dreaded five-year cliff. My very first class ever. I remember like there was such a big build up. It was my first year of teaching and I'd started at this school. It was a fairly low SES school um, with pretty diverse students. And I remember this first class was a year nine class. And most of us know that year nine is that tough year that Mm -hmm. you just don't want to face, right? So before I taught this class, one of the teachers at the school came up to me and very kindly was like, oh my gosh, we teach this same class. I've heard some really crazy things about them. Like, let's work together. Here's some tips and tricks. So anyway, I was gearing myself up for this class. And I remember walking in and just feeling so incredibly nervous. And I'd planned to do like this name game with them. You know, like you go in and there's like hundreds of names to learn in that first week, Mm -hmm. right? So I was like, okay, we'll play this name game where you're like, oh, you say your name and then something that you like that starts with the same letter. So like I went in and like I meant to go first and you go around in a circle and the idea is is that when it comes back to me at the end, I have to say everyone's name and what they like. And it's like a bit of a competition to see if I can remember everyone's name. So I started and I was like, hi, my name's Miss Marie and I like marshmallows. And the next person goes and they're like, I'm, I don't know, for the sake of this, and I won't use students' names. They might be like, I'm Bob and I like burgers. Ha, ha, ha. And then I have to say, that's Bob and he likes burgers and I'm Miss Marie and I like marshmallows. And we just keep going. Anyway, it was all going fine until we got to this one student who decided to be a little bit cheeky. Um, And again, I won't say his name, but for the sake of this activity, we will say that his name was Bill. And he was like, hi, my name's Bill and I like balls. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And, of course, the class start laughing, right? (laughs) He says that. And I'm like, oh, no, this is my make or break moment with this class. Like, what do I do? Do I, like, I can't laugh because then I've, like, lost them for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. So I was just kind of like, really, Bill, is that what you want to go with? (laughs) He very quickly, thank God, changed his answer and was like, basketball, I I mean basketball. And then, like, we continued. But it was just like this moment in my head where I was like, oh, my God, this could have gone one or two ways, right? So I guess, like, my question of the day is what are your tips and tricks and what are some great tips and tricks for people who are – you know, starting the year fresh and having their first class? How do you start off on a good note? That's a big question. It is a big question, isn't it? So, like, I don't know, Mm. what's your experience? Like, what are things that you like to do for that first lesson? First lesson, before I even get in the class, I'm the sort of person where I can't remember a person's name (laughs) unless I see the name with the face. Okay, so you need the visual. Yeah. Yeah. So every single year, no matter what, and I did it even up until my last year before the class started, I would print off the roll with the student's face and their first name. Obviously, that's really hard 
if you're teaching year seven. Yeah. Because they don't have, half of them don't have pictures, yep. right? Unless they've taken like pre- Their primary yeah, school. Yeah, or orientation photos or yeah. something. Yeah. So that one always helps me. And then I always request them, it's a bit of a sneaky one, but I request that they stay in the same spot for mm. four weeks. And I explain to them, I'm like, I'm really terrible with learning names. Please just sit in the same spot for four weeks. I really want to learn your names. Do you give them a seating plan or do you let them choose where they want to sit for that first lesson? I let them choose yeah. and it's where they're already sitting. Okay, fair. See, but that's tricky for year sevens, right? Because mm. they don't know anyone. They yeah. might choose to sit with the wrong crowd in that first lesson, right? That's true. How did you learn students' um, names? I, well, I was a big fan of games, but I am like a, I am a little bit visual as well. So I did the whole like, okay, I'm going to print off their photos and try to memorize things and, and do that. But then... Like, I used to just tell my students, like, hey, I've got a lot of names to learn. If I mispronounce your name or I get your name wrong, like, please tell me because I'd hate to be calling you by the wrong name for half the year. I was like, that's embarrassing for both of us, right? Mm. <laughs> um, so sometimes I'd go up to students. If I couldn't remember, I'd be like, you know, give me the first letter. Yeah. And they'd be like, T, and I'd be like, it's <laughs> Teresa or whatever. Um, and they were pretty good and it was kind of like fun for them. Um, sometimes I did name cards as well. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, I did that with like some of my more junior kids and I'd get them to write their names on a card. They'd, we'd fold it over so it was like a little place card on their table. But I'd get them to draw some pictures or tell me some things about them on the inside. Or one year I had a maths class and I knew I, most of the kids really hated maths. That's a pretty... It's a pretty standard, standard attitude to have in high school. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of like hopes and dreams or fears. Mm. And then that gave me a bit of an idea of like where they were at and what I maybe needed to try and work on with them throughout the year. Mm. So how long do you reckon it took you to learn everyone's names? With a full teaching load? Yep. Probably, I want to say, if it was a smaller class, the best would have been by the end of term one. Okay. That's pretty good. The longest, probably, at the end of term two. (laughs) Are we talking first year here, or are we talking, like, I've been in the game for a couple of years? Um, Probably even, like, in the game for a few years. Especially, I found, seniors I picked up, more easily, but probably because you had more... More contact hours, right? Contact hours. Yeah. Um, whereas, I don't know, year sevens I always really struggled with. Maybe it's because you haven't seen them in the school before. Yeah, There's true. no photos of them. Yeah. How long did it take you? In my first year, um, like, I, I'm pretty sure once the time parent-teacher interviews rolled around, I was really scared I was going to mess up someone's name. Um, so what's that's like a semester, right? Mm. <laughs> like, so first year was tough. Um, but I feel like, you know, coming up to like the sixth year, I was like, first couple of weeks, I had names down. Like, first couple yeah, of weeks. got really good at it. Yeah, got wow. really good at it. But that first year, I was terrible. I was like terrified. I was literally like looking at my run sheet because I had like the order of my interviews. And I was like, oh my God, okay, who's coming up <laughs> next? Like, please don't mess this up kind of thing. And it was always really tricky as well. Like, you know, seeing them out of uniform. Yeah. Like, they look completely different. Yeah. So, yeah, I found that tricky. If they, like, change their hair or anything, you're just like... You know, they chuck their piercings back in or whatever Like, what is happening? Right? 
So anyway, I think we got there in the end and I think, yeah, just practice made it really easy. Mm. And then also, like, you know, you get to know the kids in the school, um, particularly if you're teaching siblings, you yeah. tend to, like, remember the siblings a lot easier because you've got that, like, connection. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's pretty tough. Siblings is always helpful I as well. So Once too. you make the connection, then you're like, ah, oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. like, stuck in your brain forever. So I'm just thinking then, like, you know, we go through the motions of, like, learning names and, you know, we're trying to not mess up that first interaction with the class. At Like, what would your advice be on, like, setting expectations? Ooh. Yeah. I think setting expectations is so important, if not one of the most important things that you do at the start of the year. Mm. I've definitely made the mistake of not setting expectations or not being consistent with them. Mm. And it's really hard once you let things go to pull students back in if you're consistently letting those things go. Can you Um, tell us a bit about like some of those bad experiences? Like I think that's helpful for people to know. Like Mm. what went wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I think probably the most common one, there's definitely a walkover in the first few years because you're like oh I don't want to like I'll be nice I want to be firm but fair yeah (laughs) I want them to like me um a really common one is just students talking over you when you're talking you know and yeah I did it a lot I reckon in the first few years to be honest yeah particularly if they were senior I think because I was quite young so I felt the age gap wasn't that far from mm. senior, so... And they think you, like, you're, like, their friend, their friend. at that point, right? Yeah. yeah it's tricky. Um, yeah, so it's, like, how can you be friendly, but, like, well, actually, I'm your teacher. How do I not set the boundary yeah. at the same time? Yeah. But, like, if I was t- teaching and then and ex- explaining something and two students would be talking, I used to, like, let that go a lot. But the issue mm. is if you let go of two students speaking, another how two is going to start talking. And so if you... Then tell the students, by the eighth student, if you're like, hey, can you, you know, I'm talking, can you listen while I'm talking? Oh, but they did it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, gosh. You didn't say anything to them. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's, yeah, that's they the most love that one. common one. What about you? What was? Um, ooh, the things that went wrong. Um, oh, man. Okay. So this one's tricky. Like, my, I, I was a science teacher, right? So... I think, like, science safety is very important mm. and, like, setting expectations in the lab was a super big deal for us. Um, and, I mean, I don't think anything could have been done on my part in this instance, but I did have some students who were a little bit silly with things like matches and gas taps. The other thing I think I didn't realize, and look, nothing went wrong, thank goodness. Like, I was still employed by the school and, like, nobody was hurt. I'm just going to big disclaimer <laughs> for everyone. Um, but I did have some students and, I, I like, things I don't think I foresaw. Like, even though, like, I did have students who were very, like, you know, safety conscious, like, they, so many year sevens don't know how to light a match. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I, I was just flabbergasted by that. I was like, what do you mean you don't know how to light a match? Oh, we just use those little trigger gun things. I was like, this is a core life skill. Like, how are you going to light birthday candles? Or like, you know, it was, I don't know, like light a fire in a fireplace. 
Um, anyway, trigger guns was a massive thing. And then, so they didn't tell me that. And then they try to do it. And then their instinct is to just like throw the match when it's done, right? Mm. And they don't realize that because they're just scared. It's just what they do. So I uh, think things I didn't foresee was probably my biggest one. The talking one is definitely a massive mm. A what massive about, issue. Though. What about students late to class? Did you get oh that with gosh. expectations? Yeah. So, look, I think in the start you kind of – everyone follows Bill Rogers and, like, his expectations and, you know, the thanks instead of asking for things, like, you know, with the whole compliance. Um, I remember my students thinking me saying thanks was really odd <laughs> and they used to be like, why are you thanking me? <laughs> I was just like, yep, pop your chair in, thanks. Like <laughs> – um, but yeah, the l- lateness was a big issue, um, in all school sectors that I taught in. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it was really just about following through on things that I said that I was going to do. Um, and just outlining that really clearly at the beginning and making sure that if there were consequences for particular actions, it always came back to the core values of the class. Mm. So if, you know, someone was late. It was just explaining to them that they're interrupting their own learning. They're also interrupting the learning of the class. And these are the impacts that it has. Um, Therefore, this is the consequence of that. Um, And I think that when students hear that and they realise that it's not an attack on them as a person Mm. and that you are being consistent and everyone is being treated fairly, because kids love to be the justice police and they will tell you if you are treating someone very differently to others, um, then it's okay. Mm. But it's tiring. It's so tiring following through, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. The first term is so exhausting because not only are you learning new names, yeah. trying to move through the content, but you really have to be consistent on following through with expectations and consequences yeah. because if even like for homework and stuff, because yeah. if you let that stuff go, it's so hard to pull It's harder to pull it back later. So I think that's like something to remember, right? It's like, okay, let's put the hard yards in now Mm. because then we're setting ourselves up for a much easier year. Would you say that's like the takeaway you wish you you knew in your first year of teaching? Yeah, I think so. I think that was, that would be it. Like put the hard work in now so that you're not trying to put even more work in later. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Um, I had a mentor and I was in her class and she... Every single class, the first class, she would put up the list of expectations yeah. for students. She would explain why, and like you were saying, students love to be justice police. Mm-hmm. Um, so for students, when they know the reason why, I felt like they were more on board. And then mm-hmm. at the end, when she went through list of expectations, reason why, and she'd be like, is that fair? Does that seem fair to you? Yeah. I mean, most students are like, yeah. Pretty much. That's yeah. pretty fair. So were those expectations, were they something that she came up with or were they co-constructed with the class? They're things that she came up with. Yep. And she was like, is there anything else? And Does anyone sp- dispute to this? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But what I found interesting was after she went through the students' expectations, she mm-hmm. would then ask the class, what are your expectations of me as a teacher? Yes. So that really like empowered students because they're like, okay, that's fair. Like if you have expectations of us, we have some of you. Right. And they're and reasonable. I've done that before and it's so good because, you know, kids will often be like, I want to be able to come and ask you if I need help or, you know, I don't want you to make me feel dumb or silly mm. or, you know, 
um, you know, I want you to be able to give me a second chance. Like, they're things that I felt like often came up for me. Yeah. Um, and if a student's not following through on something they're meant to be doing, then you can always come back to be like, hey, here's some expectations that you set from me. And I feel like I am following through on this. Are you following through on yours? Mm. Let's, like, sit and reflect on that and yeah. how can we fix that together? Yeah. Have you done something similar? I've definitely, yeah. I think, like, even until I finished up teaching, that was sort of, I think it's important to have that dialogue because then it builds it builds respect and trust yeah. with the students. But I think even with setting expectations when you show it on the wall, mm. keep it short and sweet, you know? Yes. Like, you don't want a list of 15. Like, I'd probably say at most five. You can keep it broad, okay. right? at top five, and then like what you're saying, you can follow up with students, bring it back to those expectations. I mean, like, remember in the first class we spoke about this. Yep. Um, you don't want them to be, like, eye-rolling at the expectations. Exactly. Like, oh, my God, this is taking an hour for us to do it. To get yeah. through. And it shouldn't take an hour. <laughs> hey, Bez. Yes? What would you wear on the first day of school? I know, big question. <laughs> it really depends on the school that you're at. I would definitely do a Google search, have a look at the photos that they've posted up of their staff. Yeah, staff photos help, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first school I was at was not cash. Um, but but a you bit more relaxed? Yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't want to rock up with, like, I don't could, know, corporate wear. Okay, but could you wear jeans? No. Interesting. And no, actually... Sneakers you could wear after after you got comfortable. Actually, okay. no, you couldn't. Oh, okay. Maybe you got away with it a few Maybe times. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't follow <laughs> the idea. Goes to show I'm probably not the best answer to this. Okay, so, all right, no jeans, probably no sneakers. No sneakers. Okay. If in doubt, I would go slacks. Um, you can go like a collared shirt. Probably not a cotton T-shirt. Yeah. That's probably too cash. Okay. But, yeah. So, like, smart, casual, but no sneakers, no That's jeans. That's the word, smart, casual. Smart, okay. casual. But you can ask people. Like, I'd be like, oh, you know, what do people wear? Like, find that one teacher who's been there a little while mm. who's, like, pretty nice and pretty open. And they always have them. It could be your mentor. It could be the person who helps induct everyone. Um and I just sort of asked them. And I found out pretty quickly that the, my first school, like, I could wear jeans. It was pretty relaxed. We could wear sneakers. Really? Yeah. Like, but, you know, you didn't want to dress too provocatively. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just being As mindful in like, of that. I mean, look, I think it's also... Skin hugging? Um, you could wear things that were fairly fitted. But I think, mm. I mean, for me personally, being a young female teacher... I also didn't want to Mm. have, like, my young male students perceive me in a certain way or, you know, not that any comments that they would make would be warranted, but, you know, you do become really aware of that kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, I think I, like, I probably dressed up more in the first few days than I did for, like, say, the rest of the year. Yeah. Another school I worked at, though, was completely different. And the dress code was much more strict. So, like, male teachers in the winter months had to wear suit and tie, like, had to wear a tie. A tie. Yeah, that was pretty formal. We, as female teachers, we couldn't wear jeans and things at that school. But, yeah, I just think erring on the side of caution in the beginning and making sure that you're following the rules is fine. I think dressing conservatively, though, that is a good tip. 
And, and closed toe. Closed toe shoes yes. is a must. Yes. Absolutely. And if in doubt, if you can, like, just layer it up. Because, like, yeah. you could have a blazer or something, and then if it's a bit more cash, you can take that blazer off. Yeah. Um, but if you have layers, you've got options as well, or bring, like, a large coat. If you, Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Here's one. Go on. What would you, looking back mm-hmm. in that first year, yeah. the pencil case or the packs or the tub box that you brought to class? Oh, gosh. Looking back, what would you suggest to be included in that tub box or pencil case? Oh, okay. A hundred percent a million whiteboard markers. <laughs> did um, you ever steal any? Absolutely I did, but don't tell anyone. Um, I bet you did too. Oh, absolutely. If you yeah. left it there, then that was permission to take. Yeah, I know. And it was always my favourite colours that people would pinch too. I always loved a purple whiteboard marker and mm. they'd always pinch that one. Um, Do you feel like the black whiteboard markers always ran out more quickly than the red yeah, ones? Yeah, I think they did, but I don't know. There was a certain brand I liked where you could click the end and it would give you more ink. Oh, yes, I But they were ones. really expensive. Our did you have would- to buy them? Yes, but our school would also gift us, like, a certain amount. But then another school I had worked at, they, like, we had a stationary budget, so we could just order stuff, which was incredible. So that's a good question to ask. Is there a stationary budget? That's true. Probs not if you're in a government school, but you never know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I would definitely say whiteboard markers, uh, lots of pens and pencils, because you will have students that do not bring them to class and always try and keep track of where they are because you won't get them back and... Unless mm. you ask for them back. Um, I used to say to my kids, I remember, because I used to have like a massive pencil case with all these things in it, like, you know, rulers, erasers, like pens, pencils, all different colours. Um, and if a student was like, oh, miss, can I borrow a pen? I'd be like, yep, but it's a boomerang. And they'd be like, what? And I'd be like, <laughs> it's, it comes back to me. And they were like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And they were generally pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a couple of culprits that you knew. That would Oh, i got to chase you yeah. out the door. Otherwise, I'm never seeing that again. Um, but, yeah, they're kind of the main things. Mm. I think the other thing, particularly in one of my schools that was a lower SES, um, I'd always bring spare paper to class as well. That's and a great that's one. not really something you can fit in a pencil case, mm. but you always have a kid that forgets to bring their book. Yeah. So they're just like a couple of things that I'd make sure to have on hand. Yeah. Stella. Were yours any different? Mine was exactly the same. Yep. Definitely lots of whiteboard markers. Just hoard as many as you can. Yeah. I did like the the huge pencil case. Yeah. And same as you, particularly if you're, I think like when I was working in the government school, probably more so. Yeah. The pencils, the pens, mm-hmm. just have a stash of them. Like just bring a book where you can rip paper out. Yeah. Um, and that was a really handy tip to learn because students who didn't bring stationery or paper. Yeah. The longer it takes for them to get started, the more disrupted the class is. So if they know, there's no excuse really. It's like, go grab a pen, go grab a piece of paper. But I suppose if we do link back to the expectations that we were talking about earlier, like you don't want your students coming to class completely unprepared all the time. This is true. So that's where that follow-up comes in, right? Mm. Like if it's an expectation that you come to class prepared, you know, what's the process at your school? Is there a behaviour management policy where if they don't show up, then they get a detention or are they 
I don't know, picking up five bits of paper off the ground before they leave class, like, what's the consequence that's going to come into mm. play? Because otherwise, they're just not going to bring things because they're like, oh, I know my teacher's going to bring it. That's very true. Like, why would I bring a pen if I know my teacher's going to have a pen for me every time? <laughs> like, Did you ever have that situation in your class? Constantly, particularly in my first couple of years. And then I got a lot better at, like, reinforcing those expectations. How did you reinforce that? Like, would you keep them behind after class? Would you... you Kind of varied, but I think it it came down to what, like, the school's policy was. Um, So, like, you know, it might be you get a lunchtime or, you know, you get a first warning and then, like, your second warning you get a lunchtime. Like, whatever it is. Mm. Um, One of my schools, like, actually didn't have detentions at all. So, like, you'd have to supervise your own detentions. So Fun. I know, really fun and then really hard to make sure they actually show up as well. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just it's having a really hard think about, okay, well, what systems do I want to set up before I actually begin with my class that I can actually continue throughout the year? Like, what's actually manageable? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, having lunchtime detentions on every single day of my week when I also have to do yard duty and try to eat lunch and try to go to the bathroom and then get ready for my next lesson was, like, not sustainable. No. Um, So I'd sometimes do, like, a a once-a-week sort of situation or it might be, like, a phone call home, chat to parents, do they have the right materials, Uh, even working with a student to organise their locker if I know that they're really disorganised. Like some of my kids had the stuff, they just couldn't find it (laughs) because they didn't know how to manage, um, you know, their own systems. So Even chatting to other teachers too, like seeing if it's only in your class that that is happening or if it's consistent across the board. Yeah. And then I found if it's consistent across the board, like, you know, obviously there's like a year level coordinator or wellbeing coordinator, touching base with them and just seeing, you know, is there anything there that you need to be aware of. 100%. Because um, I guess you also don't want to come in hot when there is some context or 100%. some background. Yeah, there may be why. students that do need some additional funding to help, you know, maybe the school can purchase some things for them so that they do have a set. Mm. Um, because, yeah, you don't want to punish them for something that they have no control no over. Control. Yeah. yeah. But absolutely. I like that tip of, like, doing it, like, once a week, for example, the lunchtime. Yeah, I mean, you just have to be happy to give up that time. Yeah, (laughs) and it comes back to the expectations, term one. Like, you have Uh to be consistent. You know, it's a bit painful in the first term, but then it pays off for the rest of the year. I found a really good tip, too, is having a look at your timetable and Mm -hmm. being strategic. Like, if you've got a class before lunch, then you could, you You know, know, you can keep them in at lunch, right? (laughs) Because they're already in the class. So most of the time they don't run off. I know, and it just sucks when you have them at the end of the day because you can't, you legally can't keep them. Yes. And they know that too. Yeah. They tell you. So you don't want to be that teacher, right? No one wants to be that teacher that keeps them after class at the end of the day. (laughs) I didn't want to be that teacher. Yeah. No, I didn't either. So, Chloe. Yeah. Exit ticket for the day. Mmm. What's your one key takeaway or okay. most important thing you'd want a first-year teacher to know? Okay. I would say at the start of the year, like, be more firm than you think you need to be um, because it's easier to scale back if you need to, but it's really hard to go the other way. And it's okay if your students don't like you. Because you're not there to be liked, you're there to be their teacher. Yeah. Great advice. What about yours? Mine would be 
stay consistent. It will be time consuming and it will take a lot of effort, understandably on top of a gazillion things that you mm -hmm. also have to manage. But if you are consistent for term one, then most likely you can rest easy for the entire year and the students know the expectations. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you found this episode helpful. If you'd like to share today's podcast with anyone else you think would also find it helpful, uh, please do. And if you've got any ideas on topics you would like us to talk about in the future, please email them through at teacher.hub at edrollo.com. Catch you next time. Bye.